Hello, one and all. Welcome to the A to the K Wrestling Show and welcome to the Top Rope Takeover. As today, ahead of their sixth birthday celebrations, we're joined by co-founder of Top Rope Brewing, Neil Rothwell. Neil, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you? Not a problem at all. Absolute pleasure to be here, guys. I'm fantastic. It's been an interesting few weeks getting things prepped and organized for these, uh, these birthday shenanigans, but a few beers never help, never, never hinders that sort of a... <laughs> Absolutely, oh, definitely not, definitely not. Uh, as you say, it's been a very busy week for you, and we will uh, we'll touch on uh, some of the stuff you've been doing. But uh, I figured we'd we'd start sort of firstly by uh, obviously the the whole concept of the company is is bringing together your love of of wrestling and, and nostalgia and your love of beer. Um, so I think first two for me would be uh, when did you get into wrestling and uh, when did you get into beer? <laughs> um, well, the usual things. Got into wrestling when I was a kid. Uh, Sort of growing up watching the Attitude Era when I was like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, watching those kind of things, watching Road Dog, Billy Gunn, Mankind, you know, all the usual stuff, watching, mm. uh, you know, watching Sky Sports on a Saturday morning, catching up with Raw and SmackDown and stuff. And beer got into it, you know, legally at the age of 18, but I was <laughs> new. And it was not 18 when we all started drinking. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's, that's um, yeah. Yeah, we sort of did the usual thing. Started, start, you know, started going out when I was eighteen, drinking the usual, you know, macro-produced crap lagers that you drink at the time. Um, and it was probably around about maybe so we're now six, about like nine years ago um, when I first started to discover craft beer. And first started getting into it and finding things like, you know, Brewdog were the ones that sort of brought it to the forefront massively. Then there was like Sierra Nevada who came over with their beers, um, and then I had a friend who started home brewing, so we started doing that with him. Um, ended up meeting at a, a homebrew club in the Brewdog Bar within Liverpool. And that's where I met Ben, who was our co-founder. Um, so yeah, we started started there. Um, we were two of the guys that ended up staying behind after each session. You know, we'd keep drinking, we'd keep talking, and the, the subject invariably fell into wrestling. You know, the usual questions of, what's your favourite pay-per-view? What's the best WrestleMania? You know, the usual kind of stuff as well. Uh, of course, there is only one correct answer for the best WrestleMania, which of course is... 17? Yeah, so you've got a world of... Or X-17. But yeah, we ended up sort of, you know, chatting together, drinking together, quite, doing it quite a bit. And then we started to um, homebrew together as well. So I'd go around to his, his parents' house where he had his setup. Uh, we'd spend like Saturday, Sunday afternoons in the, in the kitchen, brewing up bits of beer, um, doing that kind of stuff, listening to loads of metal music. It was, you know, it was good fun. Um, you know, cut forward a few months. We entered a few homebrew competitions, uh, won a few categories, so naturally started to get a little bit big-headed about ourselves and went, our, our beer's good, our beer's better than some of the stuff you can you can drink on bars. Like, why couldn't we sell this? Um, and so sort of the idea started to form in our heads and we started to get the idea behind it all. Um, got Ben's parents drunk one night and convinced it was a good idea to let us build a shed in their back garden. So we spent the, the summer of July 2016 uh, ripping up their back garden. I'm talking all the food, all the, the planters came out the side. There was a, a massive trench that was dug along the entire length of it to fit down the, the, the wiring and the plumbing. Uh, concrete base was laid and this big shed was constructed um, in which we built a, a 100 litre brew kit. Um, got everything fully licensed, so it was good to go. And then we just, we just started brewing on the weekend. So, you know, again, we'd come down, we spend the entire day in there just brewing away. Um, ended up brewing like, you know, two to four kegs of beer a week. Um, taking them around to pubs that we've been drinking at, or you know, we, we you know occasionally worked worked a few shifts at, um, and started selling it, and sort of one thing led for another, and it's as I always describe it as it's a hobby that's gotten very out of hand. 
uh, <laughs> where we are at the moment. Brilliant. Um, so, I mean, you, you know, you kind of mentioned there around, obviously, you kind of bonded in Brewdog around beer, around wrestling. When did you kind of decide to, you know, go, do you know what, we're actually going to start producing beer, but also have a wrestling spin on it? Um, it was just kind of a thing that came up sort of naturally, because when, when we were discussing it, I think it was Ben that came up with the idea originally, that the idea was to have some sort of meaning behind what we were doing, um, as opposed to, you know, just brewing beer for the sake of brewing beer. It felt quite personal to us to have some sort of connection, something that we could, you know, feed from our personalities into the beer, so it makes it a bit more of a sort of a connection when people were drinking the beer and, you know, having a bit more of a story behind it. Um, and just, it was something that we were both incredibly passionate about. Um, so it just seemed like an obvious one to do. Um, and then there's the fact that we both love a really good pun. So all of the pun names started coming out with things like the Rowdy Rowdy Porter series and Papa Mango and all that kind of stuff as well. So like the, the names kind of fed into themselves. Um, so it was just a case of finding something that we were equally as, equally as passionate about with, with the branding and the design purposes behind it as, as it was with the beers. Yeah, I saw something somewhere as well um, in like another interview you did where you were kind of like um, top rope because it was almost like it was a it was a high risk maneuver almost to kind of you know um, yeah, take that. Yeah, step. That's, that's that's another one that we sort of we've realised as well as that obviously obviously you know your your fan base. I'm, I'm not going to try to mansplain wrestling to your fan base, but obviously you know. <laughs> Any sort of big high risk thing, any high risk prevention that you take, whether it be in personal life or professional life, it does feel like it's a move off the top rope. Like you are going for that big Randy Savage elbow drop at the end of the end of the um, end of the WrestleMania match, and it's that big feeling that you have. So it kind of felt like it was a, a good connection to have that level of taking the risk and seeing what's happened. And you know, in the six years that we've done that, we've taken quite a few of those. Um, and I'd say a good, I think as I said the previous, a good nine out of ten of those have landed. Um, which is not a bad rate in comparison to taking top rope maneuvers. <laughs> yeah. no, not bad at all. So obviously, um, as you say, we're, we're fast approaching the, the sixth anniversary. So um, it, it is, as you say, it's a very sort of a, a big thing to do, a very daunting thing at times, I imagine. Um, was there a point during that time when you're like, like when you knew you sort of like, this is, this has got legs, this is going to work? Um, well, I mean, when, but it's kind of when you have to increase production, when we, when we started brewing two kegs a week and then we started selling four kegs a week. So we had to brew four kegs a week and then we were brewing four kegs a week, but we were selling six kegs a week. And just when you have that sort of initial sort of increase in capacity, when you can see that people are wanting to get more and more of it, that's when you kind of realise things are going on. And it was a year in that we moved from brewing 100 litres of beer and we bought the, the kit that we currently operate on, uh, which was a 1,000 litre kit. Which, you know, to put it in comparison to it for people, um, say a hundred litre kit will do roughly two kegs of beer and a couple of cases of a couple of cases of bottles or cans. A uh, thousand litre kit will produce twenty three or twenty four kegs. Um, so it's it's a massive step up. It's, that's you, a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So when you go from when you go from brewing, you know, as I say, four kegs a week and then brewing twenty two kegs at once, it's initially quite a daunting step. Um, and again, we took that we took that manoeuvre and it obviously worked because we're still here six years later. Um, yeah. We've been able to move house again, so we've moved. We were in a site in North Wales that was great for three years, but it was in the arson of North Wales, so traveling there was, was really difficult. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there was no space for us to to grow and to develop and to have things like a tap room like we currently have. So we were fortunate enough to be able to to move ourselves back to to Liverpool where we are at the moment, 
Uh, again, since we've moved in there, we've increased capacity. We've opened the tap room. We've started having events. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things where every, every once in a while, you do have to take a step back and realize that things are still going well. Um, and that's always a, it's always a great feeling to have that every once in a while. Yeah, that's awesome. absolutely. You know, it, it's mad to think you've been doing this for six years now. And obviously coming up to your, your sixth anniversary, kind of what kind of festivities have you got planned um, to celebrate? Um, what we've got, as I always do, just take a month and just go absolutely batshit crazy with it. So um, <laughs> uh, this year we are having, we're starting off with a birthday party in the brewery, uh, which is on the 5th of November. Uh, we're having two sessions for that. So we're having, you know, the opportunity for people to come down during the early afternoon or sort of later evening. Um, our head brewer Ben is going to be running a pub quiz because he absolutely loves doing those. Uh, and we've got a series of special beers that we've brewed um, to go along with that. And then throughout the course of the month, we've got, uh, I think it's eight or nine different events planned throughout the course of, and I can say this for the first time, across the entirety of the, of the, of the Isles, we're actually taking over all four of the countries this year. Um, wow. So the second weekend of November, Ben's going to be going over to Northern Ireland for a, an event and a collaboration brew with Ballhouse Brewing. Uh, whilst I'm going to be in London taking over the Cloudwater, Eden Street Bar, and also Old Street Brewery's Tap Room. Um, the following weekend, I'm going up to Scotland and I'm taking over the Fierce Bar in Edinburgh. Um, and Ben is then taking over the Fierce Bar in Manchester on that Saturday, which is the 19th. Um, at the same time, I'm going to be going down to a venue in Lincoln uh, called the Straight and Narrow, uh, doing an event there. And then at the end of the month, we're going to be doing an event in Crewe, uh, and we're doing an event in uh, Black, Cloak, Black Cloak Brewery in uh, Colwyn Bay in Wales. Wow, literally everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yep, as, far, as far as wide as I can go. Love it. It's funny because one of the questions I was going to ask about uh, was the sort of different collabs and any you had planned. Uh, but I suppose what I want to ask on the back of that really is um, what's it been like collabing with, with other companies? Are these people that you've, you've sort of met when you've done the, the sort of the competitions uh, as you were getting started? And um, are, are they all sort of of a similar mindset to people? Um, it's most of the people you tend to meet these days are just generally just through drinking. Um, it'll be a case of you meet them at beer festivals, you meet them at events, you'll meet them at, you know, um, sort of conferences or it might just be a case of a friend of yours is going out drinking and they're coming with them so you just end up meeting each other um, and it's genuinely one of, one of the friendliest industries I've ever seen there's very very little animosity um, everyone's really happy to chat away to share information to you know share tips and tricks on brewing on how to make your beers better on how to do this how to do that they're always happy to you know if you're having a problem they'll sit down and talk you through it and they do whatever they can to help you because they realize that everyone gets elevated by having good beer. We can all learn something from somebody else. And if we all have the ability to make our beers better, then everyone's going to try and take that opportunity. Um, so it is genuinely a really, really friendly, friendly industry. Um, and end of the day, just everyone, everyone just likes to go out and have a drink. And that's what this industry is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of looking back then on those kind of six years, what would you say has been kind of your best and your worst moments in, you know, six years in the business? Um, Worst moments, either having to throw away the first batch of beer that went wrong, which was painful, um, or as everyone had, I'm sure, that first initial feeling when they came out and went, that's it, everyone has to stay at home, no, you can't do anything, we all kind of went, well, fuck, how the hell are we going to do this now? <laughs> um, that initial feeling of just how things, how things were going to go, but then, I mean, for us personally, it went quite, 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 went quite well, because obviously everyone else was sat at home not working and getting paid full time, so they had nothing to do but drink. Um, so we kind of continued working throughout that lockdown period and producing beer for everyone else to go out and drink. Um, in terms of best moments, it would be things like 
you know, having doing our first ever launch run back in 2016 when the beers first went out on the bar and we sold out uh, the Dead Crafty Beer Company within like half an hour of the tickets going on sale. Um, it would be things like moving to the new site where we are now, opening the tap room, having Frank Turner play in the brewery, um, getting Scottish U Hottie and D'Lo Brown to do different events and get to meet those guys because of it. Um, it's just little things like that, kind of, I say little things, but, you know, those kind of monumental milestones when something big happens and you sit there and go, I, I did this. This is actually my, I, I can take credit and, you know, be happy for it all. You know, we work really hard for what we do. Um, but yeah, it's those things where you kind of sit and you see other people enjoying your product because they love it. If that makes sense. So seeing other people enjoy it is what makes me really happy. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so obviously a lot of the beers you've done have been um, sort of wrestling themed. The first thing that sort of intrigued us, your company is uh, obviously wrestling themed as well. So uh, probably a bit of a, a question you've had before, but uh, if you could share a beer uh, of any, any choice, of one of yours uh, with any wrestler, who would it be? Nick Foley. Nick Foley. Nick Foley. I reckon he'd be a good Always, athlete. every day of the week. I absolutely adore that man in every way, shape and form. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant. I mean, close second um, would be, well, it, it would be to share another beer, beer with him, would be Eric Rowan. Or Eric Redbeard. Because yeah, yeah. um, he's an absolutely lovely, lovely man. Um, got to meet him earlier this year at the For Love of Wrestling convention in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, I shared a couple of beers with him and chatted with him a bit and he's just a genuinely nice bloke. Um, yeah. So he was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, we were uh, we were there. Yeah, we were at that. that, that um, <laughs> we were there. We saw yeah, we saw the uh, follow, uh, follow of wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, so, the follow of wrestling. Yes. Um, so yeah, as you say, he, he does seem like a really lovely guy. Um, I assume on the back of that, then did, did uh, you get to talk about the the exalted one uh, beer? Yeah, we talked about that yeah. for him because um, we've done that, and I mean, Eric Eric actually was aware of us because uh, one of our fermenting vessels is named after him. Because um, the all the vessels that we have in the brewery are named after the Dark Order, so we've got Uno, Reynolds, Silver, and Grayson. Um, then when we, when we moved in, we got our first big tank, which was unfortunately it was brought in in January two years ago. So it was obviously a couple of weeks after Brody had passed away. So it was obvious that that was going to be called Brody. And then when we got the second big tank in, um, the question was who's going to be stood next to Brody forever, and it's got to be Eric. So we, we named, named the tank after him. We put, put a few things out on social media, tagged him in them, um, and then he recognised us and recognised what we were doing and he was, he was over the moon for that kind of stuff. And the, um, the, comment, the, the comment that always sort of makes me, you know, look out for the, the, the ninjas cutting onions is he was chatting to one of the um, producers of the event later on and they were chatting about us and they, his words were, they've, they've named a beer after Brody. Those guys are fucking cool. I was like, that was awesome. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> There's not many higher, uh, you know, marks respect than that, is there? Let's be honest. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the little things. And it was just, I'd say, I've always been a massive fan of him. Him and him and um, uh, Brody, when they were tagging in WB, they were always one of the most underrated tag teams going. Um, yeah, so to meet him and give him that sort of praise was was amazing, and absolutely loved every second of it. Hell yeah! Um, so obviously, um, how has it been? Obviously in you know, with COVID, with obviously the, you know, the UK and the world as it is, energy crisis, you know, stuff like that. Like, we can only imagine what it's like running a brewery and stuff like that, at, you know, at this, at this time. How, how have you kind of um, found it all over the last couple of years? Um, it's, it's a tricky one because there's, there's no sense of rhyme or reason anymore. Like, mm. before it all kicked off, you could sort of semi-plan your season. So you knew that obviously January and February were going to be quiet a month. You knew that summertime was going to be a bit of a boom state. Well, 
during lockdown, obviously the the initial lockdown, the first six months of it or so, were just absolute chaos for us. We were literally having to constantly produce beer and get more cans and more mini kegs available because everyone like yourselves were obviously at home wanting to you know drink and do stuff. So we were able to sort of fill that need. Um, and then when the world reopened, initially everyone went crazy again. Um, but then we just found that the past sort of six to nine months or so, there's just been, there's no sort of sense as to how things are playing out anymore, I find. Um, like you can't guarantee, like speaking to people who own pubs and everything, they'll say that they can have like a really, really busy Tuesday and Wednesday, but then Thursday and Friday are dead, Saturday's okay, and then Sunday's really busy again. So there's no sense as to when people are doing things anymore. Um, so it's it makes things an interesting challenge. It's not, mm. it keeps you on your toes and makes sure you don't get complacent anymore. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Um, I've seen a number of businesses, both breweries and bars, who unfortunately have um, shut up shop in the past couple of months. Um, it's not nice to see in the slightest. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be the end of it. I think the, as we go into the, the coming months, um, I think we are going to see more businesses, unfortunately, have to close doors just because, you know, the, the, the sheer cost of rising energy is is astronomical, especially from a business standpoint. Oh, um, of course, yeah. I know, I know people who have been quoted, their um, energy rates have been £1.17 per kilowatt hour. Um, it's, yeah. So it, it's just an unfeasible, un, un, unworkable situation. Um, but then the, there is the kind of the reverse side of things, which is an interesting viewpoint to take in, that people will... We find we're finding that people are happy to spend more money on things like craft beer because they can't justify going on a big holiday anymore because it just it's just not within the books. So it's ways of finding those little victories and those little treats for yourself. So you go, you know what, we will have that takeaway for 20 quid because it's only 20 quid compared to a two thousand pound holiday. I will go out to the bar and have two extra pints of good beer because I know that that's my justification and that's my little treat to myself to keep myself positive and going through the world. So. It, it's kind of an up and down situation, so it's it's an interesting one. And the next few months, next sort of well, end of this year and next year are going to be very very interesting for anybody who owns a small business, not just hospitality, but anybody who owns a small business. It's going to be very very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, understandably. So um, obviously, we've seen a lot of different flavors come and go. Um, with, with your company so far um are there any that you think will always sort of be on the menu as it were are there any that you've done that you'd like to bring back at any point um well we've got the two core beers which are the, the ice cream beer um which is going forward is going to be called ice cream um we had the first version of that under the new branding of that got released with, as the pumpkin pie version mm-hmm. um, and then we've got uh, the red velvet cake edition coming out for the birthday oh, that sounds good I've enjoyed yeah. all the ice cream ones so far, but that sounds really good. <laughs> With actual red velvet cakes in the beer as well. Um, it's that one, and we have the, the mango pear, which you're currently drinking at the moment as well. They're the two sort of core beers that are always going to be available. Um, beyond that, we were launching our first cask bitter uh, next week, which I'm super excited about. Uh, traditional style, 4% best bitter, loads of UK-grown hops, UK-grown malt, so it's you know, a really sort of British-focused style of beer. I'm um, hoping that one's going to take off, and that'll be called, that's called Turnbuckle Bitter. Uh, so hopefully that become one that we're going to have available all year round. Um, I mean, in terms of flavors that I want to always bring back, my favorite ice cream beer that we did was the banana split um, because I absolutely adore banana and Ben, our head brewer, despises it. Um, so that's how we know when it's got the right amount of banana in it. When he can't drink it anymore, that's when we know it's got the right <laughs> amount of banana. 
Um, and you know what? I really want you to bring that one back. One of my favourites, um, before I got into this, and now this is all I drink, um, one of my favourites is always uh, a banana, banana bread beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was delicious. And um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm all for that. Please bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I've, I've got plans to bring that one back at some point in time. Um, beyond that, it's, it's kind of, obviously, the main ones are like, yeah, the pale ale. So, you know, we did have the things like the American Dream, the 3.9% pale. Uh, things like that are just a constant basis, or the uh, Otimus Prime, um, an oat-based pale ale. Things like that are just a constant because they're just so so easily drinkable and easily squashable. They're the kind of things that will always be knocking around regardless. Um, and then we just do, every, every now and again, just do the crazy stuff like the, the Yeti, the 10% peanut butter pretzel stout. Or we did the, the Shockmaster with Emperor's Colab, Emperor's Brewing, which was a, um, a coffee tonka and vanilla stout. Yes. It was just a 12% gloop of a beer that was absolutely, absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. <laughs> I'll be honest, it sounds kind of wild, but I definitely want to try it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> With, um, you know, fully enough, we've, we, you know, we've never had Fred on the show, but we do speak to him every now and again on uh, social media. So we have to, you know, any, any anything kind of Shockmaster related, we have to, uh, we have to get into. Yeah, it. I did. I, I got to meet him um, at the Flow of Wrestling again, and it was, it was annoying because... The beer was in tank when I met him, but I didn't have any artwork to give him at the time. It wasn't finished. Um, but I did I, you know, I did show him. We had like a video of Damien, who works at Emperor's, doing the Shockmaster fall through a, a water bottle. <laughs> nice. He absolutely loves it to pieces. Um, he, again, he's, he's one of those, he's just a really, really top bloke. He's just so sort of confident in himself. He knows who he is. He's obviously owned that massive mistake, and he's just such a nice bloke to have a chat to. Honestly, yeah. the, one of the main endearing things about him for me is that that he's just sort of totally ran with that uh, the whole Shockmaster situation. Yeah. Well, that's it. You, <laughs> you know, you've kind of got to, haven't you? You can't. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't yeah, let it, it uh, you know define you exactly. of, uh, time. But uh, yeah, he's an absolute gem. Um, so obviously, as well as uh, you know producing cans and kegs, you've also got your own tap room. You mentioned before, and obviously uh, takeaway as well, and you run events at your uh, brewery. So can you tell us a little bit about? what those events are and what people can expect if they kind of, uh, you know, come to them? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the, the, main, the main one we do is we just open the tap room for drinking. Um, so, you know, it allows you to come and essentially use, use the brewery as a pub. You can sit down, you can look at the brew floor, you can see where everything takes place. You can um, get a feel for uh, what it's like to be in that kind of environment. We do run brewery tours as well uh, at the end of each month. Uh, so you can come down, you know, you can have our head brewer Ben walk you around, explain to you the brewing process, um, and show you how it's all done. Uh, beyond that, we you know we do occasional things. We, we so we've done some pub quizzes. Uh, we've got the the, the the sort of the beer festival style take um, thing event for the for the birthday this year. Um, and then we've had some live gigs. So I say we had Frank Turner play last year, uh, which was beyond ridiculous. Um, and then we uh, then we also had for our birthday last year we had a band called Buffalo Riot, um, who we've been I've been friends with for like ten years now. Uh, absolutely fantastic sort of uh, kind of Americana country style music, uh, but they're really, yeah. really good uh, with a couple of other sort of local acts that put them under, underneath them as well. So I highly recommend going to check those guys out as well. So we've had a few live gigs. We've got something planned for next year as well. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything just yet as to who that is. Yep, of course. Yeah. Um, but there, there should be some, hopefully get some teasers out for that later on this year. We do have a little meeting with them where they're going to they're come down to the brewery and have a few drinks and we'll start to get a few little teasers out to who that's going to be. But yeah, there'll be um, another game taking place next year. Uh, and then beyond that, we'll do things like, yeah, we have like big board game events. So, you know, we, we encourage people to come down with their own variety of board games, whether it be Connect 4, Dungeons & Dragons, all that kind of stuff, because we absolutely love tabletop gaming. Um 
so all that kind of stuff as well and then just like random little sporadic events that we feel like doing just kind of spice things up make it a bit more a bit more interesting and you know as much as you know a good beer is a good beer having something happening in the background is always a, a beneficial thing as well I, i'm sorry i'm gonna go slightly rogue on the questions here carl i know we had some planned but i need to ask yeah. now being a fan of tabletop games Mm-hmm. What what's your favourite? Because I, I love um like the likes of Zombie Side, uh, Game of Thrones board games, fantastic. Twilight yeah. Imperium is another brilliant one. Um, do you have a particular favourite tabletop game? Um, I love uh, one that I've got into recently is Snakes. Um, which is like it's sort of like a kind of you got like a t- you have like six people play, and yeah. you get you have to choose like two people are snakes, um, three people are honest, and then, then there's one one character who's my favourite, which is the mongoose of truth. Um, and essentially, you've got to the, the snakes know who the snakes are, but nobody else knows. And so you get you get a question with three possible answers, and you've got to debate which one's the correct answer. And the the purpose of the snakes is they've got to try and push people towards the incorrect answer to get points. That's always an interesting one to play, especially after a few drinks, seeing how people um, play that way around. Or I do have it's it is a classic one, but I've got a Jurassic Park edition of Monopoly. Nice. Um, nice. Which is amazing because the, there is a little gate that you have to press whenever you go past go. And so if you get a roar, you don't get anything. If you get the theme music, you get get money. Um, but there's also the constant threat of a T-Rex constantly running around the board, destroying your buildings <laughs> as you along as well. Um, so that, that's, that's, awesome. that's a really fascinating one. Um, in terms of tabletop gaming, the best the best one to speak to for that is Ben. Uh, he's, he's the big sort of tabletop gaming guy. Um, he's played, uh, so he, he does like, Two or three sessions of D and D a week, um, and they played. What else? What they had? They had the Muffin Time game down. Uh, the last tapper, which was really interesting to watch, uh, <laughs> or Secret Hitler. Oh, I've heard of Secret <laughs> Hitler. Actually, it's meant to be really good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret Hitler's a uh, a very very interesting one to try and understand the rules for, let alone play. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Secret Hitler, another good one's worth playing as well. <laughs> that sounds it. fantastic. Um, so obviously, we've seen some kind of iconic. And obviously, delicious uh, tributes to a number of wrestlers now. Um, what's been your favorite creation you've come up with so far? Um, and you know, was it you know, did it happen to be a tribute to your favorite wrestler, or was it just kind of by happenstance? Um, I think the the one that's my, my favorite was earlier this year when we did the series of beers for Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that we've been trying to plan and plan and get we plan tried to plan and get done uh, mm-hmm. for quite a long time. Um, but it was one that we did. So we, 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 we had a particular hop that we bought in for it, um, which has a variety of characteristics ranging from, it was going from like red fruit and cherries and raspberries um, all the way through to some sort of tropical notes. So we were able to sort of play around with that and utilize it in different ways and for different beers. Um, so we planned it out and the, art, the artwork that we had from our artists was absolutely incredible because it was basically um, the four cans sort of stacked on top of each other. So it looked like one giant piece of artwork that was a, um, a locker room with all the different belts and the bits and pieces of different characters that was yeah. just <laughs> out of this world. So we did, <laughs> we did like um, a base a base IPA, so, you know, a really simple 5% IPA um, that was um, Foley is good. You know, just a really standard one straight, straight from Mick Foley. Uh, we then did a, a, fruit, a fruited version of the same beer. So the exact same base beer, the same hoppage. We just threw in loads of them. Um, I can't think what the hell the fruits were for right now. Um, but we, we put a lot of fruit into it. And that was I'll Have Mercy. Obviously, you know, make it fruity and hippie for the dude love character. Um, we then did a, a black IPA version, 
So kind of like you're drinking the exalted one now, it was similar in that style where you've got the dark color, but you've got the, the big sort of hoppiness and fruitiness that comes through. And that was um, have a nice day for mankind, obviously. And then we did an 8.2% double IPA version where we just basically doubled everything up, made things twice as strong. We upped the ABV, we upped the, the hoppage, we made everything big, big and stupid as the, the hardcore edition for, for Cactus Jack, and that was just called Bang Bang. <laughs> that was Absolutely love it. I think yeah. um, you know, you know, something we often say as well is just like how good the artwork is. Like obviously, like you yeah, know, I'm you could display it. these on yeah. you know, like yeah. a shelf or something. Like it, it, it's so I don't know. It's it's, it's like iconic. Yeah, as part of what we're currently going through from our sixth birthday onwards, we are going through a bit of a refresh with our branding. Um, the, the gentleman who did all of our artwork for us previously, Tom, um, who was a mate of ours that we've known for Donkey, Ben Ben went to school with him, I was in a band with him when they were 15 years old. Um, he's, he's he basically he's taken a step back because his, his, his personal life is, you know, chaos as all it is. His professional life is busy as all hell. And he's decided that he wants to have a, you know, a social life, which I find to be very selfish of him. <laughs> How dare some people doing his own thing. <laughs> Um, so we, we are moving in a slightly different direction with the branding going forward. Uh, we've got an absolutely fantastic new artist in a place called Kira. Um, she's, the work that she's doing so far is brilliant. You know, if anybody who follows us on social media, uh, we've started to post the first couple of clips through that she's done for us for the birthday stuff, um, and they've been outstanding. It's just nice. You know, when you look at something over and over again, you kind of become a bit numb to it, and, you know, every time you see something, it's good. But when you have someone come in and do something fresh and different you go oh actually and you see it you see it under a new light so she's you know she's done some really good stuff for us so far um and we've got some big plans for end of this year and into start next year as well so it's going to be the artwork's going to be taking a step up and going in some big new bold directions if you want to get all you know sort of (laughs) mainstream corporate about it (laughs) marketing speak (laughs) love it exactly so um while we're still sort of touching on the 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 sort of the wrestling themed elements of it and like we talked about the exalted one and we talked about the the McFoley uh, tribute to them. Um, is there any any wrestler in particular that that if you know the opportunity were there that you'd love to do a tribute for? Um, I mean the, the main one for me will be will be working with someone like Session Moth. Um, uh, you know she's a bit more on, on the independent scene and everything. I know she's she's worked for AW. She's been on Ring of Honor. Um, but she's absolutely fantastic. I've seen her countless times now on smaller independent shows. Um, she's just a really, really, really solid worker. She knows exactly what she's doing in the ring, and she's got her character work down to an absolute T. So she's always, you're always guaranteed to have a great match watching her. Um, so I'd love to work with with someone like her because again, the gimmick leads leads into the whole thing as well. Um, <clears throat> last time I saw her was in um, in Doncaster watching One PW. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they've come back and she had a she had a match there and so getting to watch her drinking one of our beers in the ring with mickey james was pretty fucking special you know that was that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. the that highlight moment to say the least um so i think someone like someone like working with session off would be great um because it'd be interesting to work with someone who is also kind of active on the scene as well so obviously most of what we tend to do tends to be with either you know the big the big guys from the major event companies or um sort of the the legends so yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to work with somebody who's active on the scene who would also be sort of involved with the product itself on a, on a day-to-day basis kind of a thing. So I think the mm-hmm. ideal one I'd have would be someone like Session Moth because she would completely understand uh, the entire process behind it all. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Martina's gimmick would uh, would fit 
you know, nicely with, uh, with you know with everything you guys got going on. Oh yeah, and um, it's like a giant leopard print can would just be amazing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> perfect, Brandon. Um, so, have you ever been like super excited about like a certain flavor or a certain you know creation that you you know was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. It, you know, it's going to taste amazing, and you've actually gone and produced it, and it's been like, yeah, that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um. None that I could, I mean, the, the one, the kind of the obvious one was the, we did the chocolate orange ice cream beer, which was a difficult one to nail. Um, it was trying to make a chocolate beer that isn't stout is obviously tricky because most of the stuff you get comes through from the malts. That was an interesting one. I mean, it was great because someone did untap it like it tasted like vomit, which was endlessly entertaining. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I can't think of anything in particular I've done that was like, eh, I mean, unless it's, unless for some reason the beer's become infected or it wasn't particularly good or uh, I, I, there's nothing in, in my mind that makes me kind of go, that was a bad beer because that's not the kind of thing we'd release. If we were drinking it, yeah. before, if we were getting it ready, we knew that it wasn't fit for purpose, we wouldn't release the beer because there's no point doing that because it's just going to make everybody unhappy, myself included. Um, so no, there's nothing in particular. I mean, but the one that keeps getting pitched to me by um, Ben's mum and I flat out refused to make it as an imperial Turkish delight stout. <laughs> and I can, I will hand on my heart and I will bet you £100 that right now, as long as I'm working in beer, I will never sell a Turkish delight stout because Turkish delight can get in the sea. Yes, agreed. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with the periods. Turkish delight, what? it's, it's, it's revolting. Boss. It's nah. revolting. Yes. Nah, the it, worst decision. It's a boss shout. I totally, no, it's, it's, I totally agree with Ben's mum. I'm sure that I'm sure there have been brewers that have done it. I'm sure that I'm sure they've made it taste exactly like Turkish Delight. But that's not a good thing. That's awful. <laughs> like, it's like the time I had, I can't, I can't remember who it was by, but I had a a beetroot and horseradish beer. I mean, I've, I applauded the, the brewers because it did taste exactly beetroot and horseradish. So I can't fault them for what they did. But then, yeah. then, but then you, the question is in your head of just because you can doesn't, doesn't mean you should. You should. <laughs> Just playing God here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So no, to answer your question, I can't think of any particular beer that we've done um, that's made me go, eh, that's not good. Um, just because, as I say, if, if it wasn't good, it wouldn't get released, so therefore no one would know about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously... Uh, you, you both obviously have a, a love of wrestling um, and the, the company sort of rooted in wrestling in terms of, as we mentioned before, the, the name and, and a lot of your tribute beers. Um, so possibly a bit of an obvious question, but uh, do you still watch the current product today? And if so, um, like, like what, what sort of uh, brands are you more into the indie scene or into the to the big two? Or? Um, don't watch WWE. Don't watch, um, watch the highlights and watch the occasional bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I'm sure like most of the, most of the wrestling fans, obviously, um, towards the end of the Vince McMahon era, it was it was unwatchable, quite frankly. Um, yeah. yeah. There wasn't anything that made you go, I need to tune and watch this every single week. You know, we all got to that point, I'm sure the same where we got to the point where we're all bored of Roman Reigns. And it's just like, yeah, it's the same thing. So there's no point watching it because you know he's going to win. Exactly. <laughs> Um, the last thing I watched was Clash the Castle, um, and it yeah. was. I, I've, I've, I know many, many people who were there. They said the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. It was magnetic. They had a fantastic time. But as a fan watching at home, it was a glorified house show that made no reference, no, no relevance to anything because nothing changed hands. Nothing important happened. It was dull and boring, and 
not in any yep. way for what he's writing. I'm pretty certain that I've seen a lot of positive things since Daddy Trips has taken over. Um, <laughs> and you know, I'm sure he's going to make a big difference because he understands wrestling in comparison to Vince McMahon, who was just an absolute, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop it first, cunt. Um, <laughs> who I, I I wouldn't waste my piss if he was on fire. Um, so I'm sure the trip is going to make things better. Um, but yep. I, I do watch AEW on a weekly basis um, just because I think they are doing things an awful lot better. Obviously, it's been very tumultuous the past couple of months. Um, yeah, yeah, they've had a bit of a wild uh, couple of months. They have. A lot going on. <laughs> and all, all I'm going to say is thank God, thank God they've got a uh, Regal Danielson. Uh, Mox and Jericho and all those people who are just carrying the card week in week out. Of, and of course, so go on. I was going to say it's sort of one good thing to come from that whole um, fallout was that you got to see those guys sort of pick pick the ball up and sort of run with it. Really, I mean, Moxley was fantastic to follow. Yeah, come off vacation and sort of yeah uh, did what he needed to do to put sort of a bit of respect back on the title. And that. Uh, exactly, I think he handled yeah. it really well. And then, and of course, everyone's favorite Daddy Ass as well. Um, of course, that, yeah. that, getting that gimmick over, Cicero, <laughs> <laughs> just that gimmick is just endlessly entertaining, um, always. So yeah, I do mm. watch watch AW on a regular basis. Um, obviously, a little, little bit to bring them on up because it's on AW TV as well. Yeah, pieces. Um, and then yeah, I try to go as much, to as much independent wrestling as I can. Uh, we've got TNT and Liverpool, um, who are yeah. great for you if you want your really stupid, angry deathmatch wrestling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if we just want to see people hurt each other for fun, that's brilliant. Uh, and as I say, went, went back to the one BW show, which was great getting to see people like um, Ace Austin was there. There was um, D'Lo Brown turned up. RVD was in the main event against Mark Haskins. Um, Nick Aldis was there. Colt Cabana it was, you know, a really, really, really solid card. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very excited for their next show um, in February next year. It's going to be absolutely incredible in Lincoln. Um, yeah, other than that, you know, we've got, I, I've been to a couple of progress shows, um, but obviously, you know, trying to travel to London on a regular basis is difficult. Uh, yeah. And then we've got, we've got places like, um, I'm blanking on the name of the Manchester promotion now entirely. Oh, what the hell are they called? There's Rev Pro, and there's no, wasn't there? I thought Carl might know it, but I think he's struggling as well. No, I'm struggling. Um... <laughs> I think there's this guy, there's Cat Pro Wrestling, who are a bit of a smaller one, but there's the big. What the hell are they called? The big. Oh, this is going to the cat. They really, really piss me off. Introducing uh, Neil Google's things. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Special segment. This is this is actually quite funny because Carl <laughs> Carl's had a go at me in the past about this. I'll Google like while we're recording because something yeah. will irritate the hell out of me. Exactly. Come on. Why is my Why is my phone not working? <laughs> and everybody. Wait, uh, anticipation. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll we'll do a little bit of a shameless plug since you mentioned TNT. That obviously they can uh, they can watch it on Pro Wrestling TV. They can, they <laughs> absolutely can. As you know, as well as us. Obviously, Lizzie Evo as well, or Lizzie. I, I do it every time. Lizzie Evo. Evo. I try and yeah. sound more scouts than I am. I'm like Lizzie Evo, and she was like, "No, it's Evo." No, it's Lizzie Evo. Lizzie Evo. <laughs> I don't know why. I was like Evo sounds more scouts to me, but um, you know, I'm a wolf, so it's fine. Yeah. And it's uh, Future Shock Wrestling. Future, Future Shock. Shock. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. How the hell did we forget about <laughs> <laughs> You are amazing. Um, yeah, those guys as well. So, we've, you know, we've got a good, a good sort of mountain of, of wrestling in the north. Uh, I've, I've got some friends who live down south as well, and they say that the north is far better for wrestling than it is down south, which is the yeah. same for everything in life, really. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, it's just so much better up here. <laughs> yeah. 
So obviously, we, you know, we've got to ask as a beer connoisseur, um, have you tried Steve Austin's beers? Obviously, Broken Skull IPA and American Lager. And if so, what are your thoughts? I have had them. Um, been very lucky. There is a website managed to get them in. Um, they're good. Uh, the lager is a really, really good kind of, I think that Steve Austin himself described it as a working man's lager. So it is the kind of thing, you've had a long ass day, you come back in, you want to have a, you want a beer, that's the kind of beer to have. It's really good, but buying it for eight, eight pounds a tin doesn't make it a working man's lager over here. Nope. So, <laughs> it's a good sure I feel that if you're buying it for like $2 a tin in the States, it's amazing and I'd love to drink it all day. But, you know, I can't justify that over here. So it, it, it is solid, but it is good for a special occasion. And the the, the Broken Skull uh, IPA, the, 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 the one that started it all, is good. It's a very, very old school American IPA, which is something that I'm, I, I, I do miss. It's like when you, that first time when you had Sierra Nevada Pale. It's that kind of really malty, really sort of like old school, hot focused kind of resinous pine flavor to it. Um, and it was really, really good. Again, not really worth the eight, nine pound price tag per tin. And again, obviously it's designed, it's better when it's over there. It's, it's, it's not the kind of beer that's meant to be imported for its flavor profile, but it is a really solid beer. You know, if I was in the States and I was able to pick it up for, you know, four or five dollars a tin, I would drink quite a lot of it because it is a really, really solid, solid flavor beer. Yeah. Have you ever uh, tried uh, Los Guerreros? I know Chavo brought out a beer as well. No, I've not seen that one. Um, I'm not familiar with that one entirely. Because um, again, I am sure it's, it's, a, it's a lot smaller than um, than most, than like Steve Austin's brand behind El Segundo. Um, yeah. But like, I know that Steve Austin is genuinely a massive, massive beer nerd. Uh, I know he's done loads of podcasts on the subject. He's done one with with um, Firestone Walkie. He's been on their show and he's done all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's not like him just obviously living the gimmick of kind of, you know, I drink a couple of beers and have done this. He's genuinely a massive, massive beer, there, which is great. Um, the only people I know, I know that uh, the wrestler Tony Deppen, he's got his own brewery in the States because uh, Ben was chatting to him when he came over for GCW early this year. Um, and... I know Thunder Rosa likes to put on shows in, in breweries because there was that infamous video of her at the end of last year where she speared somebody through an entire stack of cans, which was incredible to watch. But then part of me kind of went, that's a lot of money. I'm really hoping that was a planned spot because otherwise <laughs> someone in the brewery is going to be really pissed you've just ruined their stack of cans. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't you guys have a Thunder Rosa um, keg? We did, yes. We did. It, with, it was with uh, Alphabet Brewing in Manchester. Um, the gentleman who was working there at the time, Sam, who's now working for Blackjack Brewery in Manchester, is also a massive, massive wrestling nerd. Um, so we, we planned to do, to do a beer together for ages. Um, and then we sort of came up with the idea of he wanted to call it the Graveyards of Tijuana. So it was an it was an Imperial Mexican stout loaded with chilies, chocolate, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I've got one keg of it left, it's been aging. And there's also about 200 litres of it that's been aging in a red wine barrel for a year as well. Um, so that's due for release, I think, start of next year now. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really fun one to do. Um, got to speak to her a little bit on social media because of it as well. She sort of, you know, replied to a few tweets and everything, and she seemed genuinely like a lovely person. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun to do that one. Yeah, she's very cool. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome person. Um, so... We talked a little bit about uh, American beers, and it, it is quite reassuring to know that they, they appear to have some decent beers over yeah. in the States. Um, 
is there is there any plans uh, for yourselves down the line to to maybe start sort of go a bit more international, head towards the states and uh, and show them what a what a real decent beer is? Um, yeah, we've looked into it. We've had um, we've you know we've we've done work in the past with the likes of What Culture, who have got a massive massive US following. So every time we look, we launch a beer with the What Culture guys. And we get loads of messages from the states trying to get it in. Um, the problem is the 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 alcohol laws in the states are incredibly difficult. They're really really strict and really tight. Um, for example, in, in in the states, you'll find there's a lot of breweries that don't ship out of state because even to move it from one state to the next requires a mountain of paperwork and taxes and all kinds of stuff. And for some of them, it just doesn't make financial sense to do it. Wow. Um, so you'll find a lot of breweries who will just stay within their own state. And so for us to get, to get beer into the States, we actually have to have an importer in each individual state that we, that we would work with. Jesus. So we, I, I couldn't, yeah, so I couldn't, for example, send beer to a, um, a distributor in Texas and have them then sell it in Florida because they wouldn't be able to transport it across state lines because it's ridiculous. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very difficult, very time consuming. And also at the size that we're at as well, we don't really have the capacity to be able to, to justify that quantity of beer going that far away. Uh, um, that's fair. Yeah, makes sense. You know, <laughs> I, I, would, I would hate to think I would be deprived in the UK of any, any top rope beers. Um, <laughs> but it's not completely off the cards. It's, you know, if the opportunity came around, it's something I would 100% look at. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to get everything organized and processed and all the red tape and paperwork trying to sit. You know, I'm sure that anybody knows who tries to read government websites, your brain shuts off within, within five seconds of reading any, any paragraph. So trying to fork your way through that is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, so probably one of the uh, last questions, obviously we've seen obviously Top Rope, um, Top Rope doing a lot of beers, but we've seen, you know, like The Rock bringing out uh, Terramana. We've seen Colin McGregor with uh, uh, Prop 12. The Bellas, Brand, uh, Brandy Rose, all got like a different wine out there. Um, a top rope ever gonna venture further afield, maybe outside of the beer industry, and do any kind of other uh, different drink uh, styles? Um, not particularly. Um, just because it's another sort of level of things that we don't particularly need. I don't think. Um, mm. I know another plenty of um, breweries out there that are putting out things like gin and their own vodkas and stuff and all kind of, and all kind of preparation um, but it's just another thing to add into it um, and then put on top of that there are some changes that are due to come in um, in terms of, I won't bore anybody with the back of house stuff of, you know the, the, the legalities of taxes and all that kind of stuff but there's basically a few changes that are due to come in in the next year or so that are going to alter the way that beer duty is paid and how much tax is, is payable um, per pipe, basically. Um, and the, they're essentially bringing in, or the planning to bring in, might get changed. Um, the, it'll be calculated based upon an average percentage. So, you know, if, you only, if, you, if your brewery only produces a 5% pale ale, then you'll only be charged at a 5% pale ale. But if you produce what 5% pale ale and then produce one forty percent gin, your average is going to be heavily skewed because of that 40%. Um, so it will basically overcharge and you'll be absolutely fucked in the ass for producing this one or the gin that will skew your entire averages. So unless you are producing a, a vast sum of it and it's going to be you know a big part of your business, it could potentially be something that's going to be a hindrance more than a, than a saviour with things. Um, so it's not something that we've looked at 
directly at the moment. Um, again, as I say, if something comes up and it becomes a viable option, then fantastic. I'll happily look forward to do it. Um, you know, something like a, a pack of mango gin, mango flavored gin would be incredible. Um, but yeah, it's just something that, you know, we're already, you know, spread relatively thin as we are, and it doesn't seem wise to take our focus off the main view of the business to try to do something else that may not work as well. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so one other question I had for you, um, and it's one I've been mulling over. Again, I've gone a little bit rogue, Carl, sorry. Um, <laughs> obviously, a lot of the a lot of the cans have um, the, the match pairing on it for like the Papa Mango and the Exalted one. Uh, and I know, obviously, yourself and, and Ben are both wrestling fans. So how do the match pairings tend to work? Do you end up, because we know what wrestling fans can be like, do you end up debating quite heavily what is the perfect pairing to go with that beer? Um, not particularly. Uh, it's more just a case of, Usually, a a beer will be inspired by a match, or in particular, or we tend to just kind of go with what is the most well-known match of that particular wrestler. Um, I mean, as much as I love Charles Wright to pieces, he is an absolutely lovely bloke, and he, he had better runs. But genuinely, trying to find a good a, a good Papa Shango match is really really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> um, <laughs> But other than that, it's just a case of it, it's finding particular matches that have sort of elevated those individuals. So, for example, we did um, when we did Ding Dong Hello, um, a big IPA. We uh, the match pairing for that was when Bailey came out and she took, she attacked the the, the wacky waving faithful hard playing two guys. Um, when we did um, the American Nightmare initially, which unfortunately is. Uh, going to sleep that was obviously uh, Cody versus Dustin at a, a, during AW their, their absolute bloodbath for a match that was incredible um, so yeah it's just it's just a case of usually it'll be a case of finding like the biggest match that individual has had or if it is a particular beer that's themed around a particular event we can find that individual match itself um, like for example we did one a couple of years ago for International Women's Day that was called Women's Revolution um, so we had some, you know, all of the all of the females who were involved in top rope. We got them down to brew the beer with us, and the match pairing for that was the the fatal four way match that the that, um, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and uh, Bailey had. It was that sort of focus and the things that pushed off the women's revolution. So there's always some sort of context behind it that makes it relatively easy to find. Um, so yeah, it's it's not never really too much of an argument because we just find the biggest match those individuals have had. Yeah, I mean, hats off to you. I don't think I'd ever agree on a on a match better with Cal. <laughs> we would always disagree. Um, but Neil, obviously, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, before we yeah. let you go, can you just remind everyone again about your sixth birthday celebrations and um, how they can get you know more information on that, and also how they can get hold of the beer and just follow you guys and everything you do. Yeah, um, so you can follow us on social media. It's just at Top Rope Brewing on all platforms. Super simple. Uh, topropebrewing.com is where is the best place to go and get all the information um, the web shop is currently down for maintenance uh, but that is due to go back live again in a few weeks time with a few um, changes that are going to come into place um, and then in terms of the birthday events as I say we've got the, the, the birthday event in the tap room itself which is in the brewery uh, so that are available on the website and then we've got events in London, uh, Belfast Lincoln, Manchester, Edinburgh North Wales and Crewe um, and possibly some more if I can get them booked in and actually, you know, find some time to not be at home during November. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, all that information is available uh, on the website, topropebrewing.com, or available from uh, from social media platforms as well. 
Um, other thing I'll point out as well, whether anybody would trade with anybody outside as well, obviously I'm aware that the, the coming months are going to be very, very difficult for everybody involved in any way, shape and form in life. Um, if anybody is finding that they're struggling and anybody needs any help, you are more than welcome to reach out to us on social media, on email. Uh, mine is just neil at topropbrewing.com. Um, if it's just someone to chat to, someone to vent to, please feel free to reach out to us. We're always happy to try and help anybody who's who's struggling through any any, any difficult situations. That, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, honestly, mate, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, you know, we don't just say this because you're our uh, partners, but legitimately... The best uh, beer we've ever had, <laughs> I think. Genuine, yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, honestly. Cheers, mate. Thank you. No worries.